This is On Second Thought. I'm Virginia Prescott, broadcasting for the very first time from our brand new radio studio at GPB. I want to send out a thanks to Adam Woodleaf, Tom Barkley, Ellen Reinhardt, and all the people working very hard on what became a two-year project. And today we're starting off with a couple of people also working hard, but they're working to expand the influence of a constituency in American politics, black conservatives. The overwhelming majority of African-American voters in Georgia and the rest of the U.S. are Democrats. About 94 percent of African-Americans voted for Stacey Abrams in the last gubernatorial election. That is according to exit polls. It is a powerful, dependable voting bloc on the left that has so far drowned out black conservatives, a slim minority among minority voters. The Pew Research Center says only about 8 percent of black voters identify as Republicans. So ahead of President Trump's visit to Georgia on Friday, we're getting a glimpse of issues that concern them. Karen Walker is founder of Black Conservatives for Truth. Karen, welcome. Thank you for having me. Leo Smith is founder and president of Engage Futures Group and former member of the Georgia GOP Ruling State Committee. Thank you so much for being with us. It's great to be here. Well, I want to get a little bit of a sense of the both of you first. But so, Karen, let's start with you. You did not grow up in a Republican family. Did I have that right? Correct. So how would you describe them as voters, your family? We were a Democrat voting family, but we were pretty much conservative. Mm -hmm. So that was um, the way that I was raised. Um, once I became an adult, I started to pay more attention into politics. I realized the way I voted did not match my policy beliefs or my values, so I switched. So you switched. And how about for you, Leah? What were your family politics growing up? Well, my family politics were survival. I mean, we were uh, descendants of American slavery, and we were sharecropping and trying to figure out how to live in a single-parent household on land that we weren't sure was ours. And so uh, understanding those things as a little boy, growing up a Boy Scout with conservative values, an AME church-going, uh, Sunday school-going boy, and Bible uh, school-going boy, um, the values that I had were conservative from the beginning. And learning how to farm and future farmers of America and that kind of thing just made me identify more with conservative ideology. I see. And you were also a minister with the AME Church. That's I correct. Understand. I was at Virginia Tech. So white evangelicals and other socially conservative Christians are part of President Trump and the Republican Party base, certainly. But you don't hear the same necessarily from predominantly black churches. What role does faith play in your political views? Well, we're seeing that with the support of evangelicals with Donald Trump right now. I mean, one of those large things being uh, support for life uh, being very, very important. And that's very confusing to a lot of people when they see this support because it's almost like a Polinian, the, the story of Paul in the Bible, you know, he's doing horrible things, but he does love God and he's serving God's purposes. So people are really looking at Trump in that way. And that's why we see a lot of people of faith really will, um, uh, you know, hold on to the Republican story, um, its platform because of their faith position. So maybe giving him a pass on some things because he holds true on other things that I they think value. that's what we're seeing happen. Yes. So what do you think? What do you make of that disconnect between black Christians and the Republican Party, which is predominant? Although, as Leo pointed out, there are many people of faith who do support President Trump, at least in his policies. But let's face it, uh, as a voting bloc, not necessarily among black Americans. Correct. I believe um, the black church pastors represents their constituents. It represents um uh, those they're the members of the church. So if they tend to be um, more um, liberal in their voting, a pastor may be more liberal 
and the way he speaks about um, certain social social issues. Yeah, social issues seem Correct. to be the crux. Here. Right. You do not hear, at least I don't, um, much talk about abortion in black churches. You hear it often in non-black churches or mixed churches. So I think that that makes a difference. I think if a if a black pastor started talking more conservative and supporting Donald Trump, I think it would cause division in the church. When you founded Black Conservatives for Truth, this was during the 2016 election, Mm -hmm. group based in Georgia, about 9,000 members from around the country. So for you, what were some of the issues you as a group thought, or you in founding the group thought most needed to be represented? Well, I created the group because uh, Black Republicans, conservatives, we are a minority. And I wanted to have a place for them to talk, for us to talk about issues important to us, to our community, uh, but put a Republican policy as an answer, because I do believe Republican policy is the best policy for black Americans. And are you looking mostly, uh, ask this question to both of you, domestic policy or foreign policy? Does that figure into your thinking or are you focused on domestic policy? I the think that post-Reconstruction, um, the repair of the, the, the black person who had previously been broken down in the slave and families broken apart, that project is unfinished. And so I think for most black conservatives, that one of the reasons why they maintain this almost uh, pro-American nationalism in the sense that us first, the, um, the Americans first, and Georgians first, et cetera. This take care of the home first thing is important because black Americans still haven't been able to manage that American dream because, you know, in 1964, when I was born, my mother still couldn't vote. So there's still a lot of work to do at home so that we can continue to be that ship of freedom for the rest of the world. I know that a lot of black Americans would also make the case that it was federal housing policy that kept that from happening or, you know, that a lot of people haven't had opportunity. So I'm wondering how you now think moving forward with a new administration, for example, or the current administration um, or Republican values pushes that agenda for black Americans. Well, I think that's the crust of it is the agenda. And Karen and I were talking before we came on air and we'll share a little now is that the, you know, what Karen is doing where she is helping to create awareness of black Republicans uh, and as well as uh, Republican policy in general. And that's where the birth of an agenda will happen. And and when we talk about things like federal housing policy, uh, we've had time now to evaluate some of those what was considered social safety net efforts or maybe just window dressing ideas about what we're doing to help people uplift themselves. And now with that history, we can go back and say that we need an agenda that is empowering, uplifting. And for black Republicans like myself and and Karen, I think I'm speaking for a little bit. I think we see that there's more opportunity to uplift like the prison reform policy. We just let ourselves out Um, like uh, Republicans fighting against search and seizure and no knock warrants, you know, reducing the size and interference of government is very important for freedom and liberation. And we are still fighting for that freedom and liberation. We just think the better platform to fight for it is on the Republican side of the House because Democrats have long been proposing these programs that they said was going to help. And we're seeing through history that black Americans really continue to lag. Leo Smith there, founder and president of Engage Futures Group and former member of the Georgia GOP Ruling State Committee. Karen Walker is with us also. She's founder of the Black Conserv- of Black Conservatives for Truth Group. Now, we're talking and getting a sense of what motivates them as black voters and supporters of President Trump ahead of the president's visit to Georgia this week. 
Well, I'm just wondering for you, this is something that I read from people who were at the Turning Point or the Black Leadership Summit in this fall. As uh, people who people of color who aren't necessarily from communities that support their politics, how, how did your community respond to your conservative ideas and agenda? What has that been like for you as a person uh, on the personal level? Um, it's been varied. Um, friends, they they uh, they pretty much accept me. Some I have lost some friends, um, but it doesn't matter. I, I look at the values, my life, um, and not just my life. I look at others. Um, I think for for many black people, maybe if they're you're Democrats, they care more about feelings, more about how they are treated, how they are received. Republicans tend to care more about facts. It doesn't mean that we are not caring. It's just that we put our emphasis on something different. So I am more I care more about unemployment, the unemployment rate, low unemployment, 5.4 percent unemployment for black Americans. I care more that. Um, all Americans are seeing about $1,000 uh, a year more added to, to their income. I care more about uh, health care, health care choices. I care um, more about school choice. I want my child to go to the school that I believe is the best fit um, for him or, or her to succeed. Um, so I believe in less government. Um, others tend to believe in more gov- government intervention. I think that is a problem, too much government. That's what we're hearing. And in, I just wondered if you had anything to add to that, Leo. What has the response been like inside of your community? Well, I also worked um, as a, one of the first political strategists working for the RNC on um, voter engagement issues targeting minority communities and work with Georgia GOP as an executive. And and certainly, I think that the, the response of the media and uh, those people who aren't used to seeing us in those roles uh, was uh, more more um, unique than my general family. My family has known me for my, all my life. They've known me to be a conservative all my life. So none of them or the people working at Virginia Tech are not surprised that this is my role now because the way that I've led the NAACP, the way I've done things has always been from a conservative policy perspective and a faith-based perspective. So they're not surprised at all that I am a Republican. As a matter of fact, they used to sometimes even said I was a conservative Jew. So, so, so I've gotten it all um, because of the unique way that we've led change in the transformative organizations I've been involved with. So, But what Karen is describing is very typical. And, and I mean, I've even had people who, when they arrived at the Georgia GOP executive office looking to see a white male come to the door as the executive, they turned their cameras off because it wasn't the narrative that they wanted to present. Oh, that's fascinating. I mean, this is something that conservative movement is not just for old white men is the thing that I'm hearing from a lot of uh, black conservatives. And you, and you, by the way, have been called by the AJC, the minority engagement guru, and were instrumental in recruitment for the GOP during the 2016 presidential election, helped to rally voters for then-candidate Trump's visit. So what was that like, though, rallying crowds that overwhelmingly did not look like you? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I mean, it's, um, I'm first and foremost, um, I'm, I'm identified by, by my faith, and then as an American. And so to do that is to do good for America, to rally people, to support the candidate that I thought would be best for America at the time. Um, I didn't, I, I transcended, my, my idea transcends the idea of uh, racial identity and, and what is good for America, because I think we're a great country that is good for the world and I want to support it so we continue to do that work. So it was very empowering and very um, um, 
I was I was very humbled to have that opportunity to rally people around this idea of America needing to get the support and the disruption that Donald Trump brought to the scene. You know, but a group of people from C.J. Pearson out of Columbus, a lot of I think he's been on one of these shows before, um, to Jessica Hayes working with Joda Heiss, with Mark Smith, who's working with Senator Perdue. All these people were people were either mentees of mine or became ambassadors for engagement for the Georgia GOP and the RNC uh, during 2013-2014 leading up. And, you know, we tripled the black vote for Governor Deal, 47% of the Hispanic vote for Purdue. It's because of the work of these people doing things like the Oblo Awards, the Hispanic Leadership Awards. People coming and doing that work, being in the community, made a difference. And these people have gone on to, to really have an impact both in the professional realm and the grassroots realm of Republicanism. We're going to run up against a break, but exit poll data shows that Trump did receive more votes from black voters than John McCain and Mitt Romney. What do you think contributed to his edge over those candidates? Karen, I'll ask you first. I believe they feel that Donald Trump is a fighter. Um, that's, a very, that's very important. Um, I think that he speaks, upon, uh, speaks on issues that are important to us. Um, he speaks about legal immigration. So when you, speak, when you talk about black Americans— we tend to lag behind every segment um, that you can think of, whether it's unemployment, whether it's wages, whether it's education, whether it's whatever that you can think of, that's what it is. Those are the things that Donald Trump spoke about. So when he said, um, give me a chance, what do you have to lose? Well, look at where we, where we were before 2016. We were not doing as well. We were doing better. I'm not, I'm not trying to take away, but I, I think he has um, done what he said he'd do. Uh, Virginia, if I, if I may, I mean, I think what quick, Kern, Kern is saying is really seconds. important. One of the things that we've done with EFG strategies is focus groups, and we've seen that people are asking, well, look, Donald Trump really has done more for us on issues that impact us, and so when we see, like, Hispanic Americans also protesting with black Americans on things, then that would change the game. All right, we're going to just put a pin in that. I'd love to come back to it. Karen Walker, Leo Smith with us. We're going to take a quick break and be back with more of On Second Thoughts. We are back with On Second Thought from GPB. With me, Leo Smith, founder and president of Engage Futures Group and former member of the GOP, uh, Georgia GOP ruling state committee. Karen Walker is with us. She's founder of Black Conservatives for Truth. We're talking about, you know, the fact that there are about 8% of black voters identify as conservatives. And we're trying to get a sense of what motivates them and, and as voters and supporters of President Trump ahead of president's, the president's visit to Georgia this week. Leo, we just left off at the break and you were talking. Actually, I'm sorry, Karen, I think it was you who talked first about immigration. Um, and then, uh, so, you know, th this is the language that the left and centrist voters often say of President Trump is racist, even mentioning that, what have you got to lose? You know, saying that black people live in ghettos. You know, that was one of the things that was singled out. Um, you know, there are good people on both sides after Charlottesville, uh, support for white nationalists, or at least refusing to shut them down, you know, judge bias because he's Mexican. So these are the things that people say, this this is a racist president. So I'm wondering for you, as black conservatives, how you interpret that and how you answered those specific charges. Well, Karen actually brought up one of the challenges of um, the left-right brain of um, liberals and conservatives and conservatives being more more interested in just the black and white fact of something. And so, so, and that's a challenge in judging Donald Trump. So for most black Americans who are raised and born in America, um, they know that it's not unusual to have a white president who might have racist rhetoric. 
<laughs> you know, that's Linda, not new. Right. It's not new. So we're not as, you know, our, our heads didn't explode when we heard something that sounded insensitive. And then to talk about the, the demographic facts um, of, of or, or the, you know, the economic um, conditions of black American life um, as a whole, not all, but to, to say that we've been at the bottom and that we um, have had uh, unemployment problems and things like that of crime in our neighborhood. Those things are true. And, and, and we need to not all neighborhoods, but in many neighborhoods. Otherwise, why, why is this Black um, Lives Matter movement happening unless there's a problem? Why do we concern ourselves with black education achievement unless there's a problem? Why do we concern ourselves with health care issues unless there's a problem? So these are real things we need to face up to deal with. And we need uh, the academic and the Ivy Tower to start addressing these problems in a real way. And you can't address them unless you call them up. Okay, so I do want to say before we get our tweets coming in, I do believe that people on the left would say they are also concerned with facts, just for the record. But um, I want to ask about, you know, the, the White House campaign, White House officials are saying that Trump's campaign picked Atlanta for his role because of its role as an epicenter of black life and the region's fast growing African-American population. Critics say he and the Republican Party aren't connecting with the black population on Prominent issues, police brutality, criminal justice, housing issues. So what would you say to President Trump for his agenda going forward to connect with black voters? Well, I think that uh, we should be more willing to reach out, even when we don't necessarily agree. I think there's accountability on both sides, because if a black person is saying, I am not going to listen to a Republican because you're Republican, no matter what, the um there's not much reason for a Republican to reach out. But on the, the, the opposite side, um, Republicans need to be willing to listen to black voters. We need to not tell them what is wrong with them or how to fix their problem. We need to first find out, find out, find out what their issue is, what their desires are, and then we can apply Republican policy. Well, we have, um, Leo, just to know if you wanted to pick up on that, how would you advise the president and his team to connect with black voters in a way that feels authentic? And this is true for all politicians. If you are perceived as racist or insensitive about race, no one will listen to the rest of what you do. You can offer them a billion dollars in goods and because you're racist, they will not take them. So it is very important for all political candidates to make every voting block matter in their campaigns. And that's what Karen is saying. Okay, so how about two other voters who are, you know, if you had a one sentence statement, one sort of message that you would like to communicate to other African-American voters who are solidly Democrat, what would you say? Make sure you're voting an agenda and make sure that agenda is is related to making sure that your, your economic unit, your educational opportunity is first and foremost. And if you can see that agenda in somebody's campaign platform, take a look. How about for you, Karen? Make sure you're voting to empower your family, to empower your community, even if it's from an unlikely candidate. Just be open. Be open to listen and receive. Karen Walker, founder of Black Conservatives for Truth, and Leo Smith, founder and president of Engage Futures Group and former member of the Georgia GOP Ruling State Committee. Thank you both so much for your time today. Thank you, Virginia.